tonight's Bible reading, we're going to continue in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. Well, good evening, everyone. My name's Stuart. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul Revival. If I haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you after the service during dinner time, if you can hang around. Uh, we're going to continue on in our series tonight in Corinthians, and I thought it might be great for us to begin by praying to our great God. And uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this word that you've given through your servant Paul, the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would help us to understand those words today afresh so that we may be encouraged and grow strong in your service. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, we're looking at the idea of wisdom tonight. And wisdom's an interesting thing because... Uh, some, some people say there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge and uh, that's not one of the debates I want to get into tonight. I'm just thinking just generally about what we know and how deeply we know it and how we use that information wisely. I'm really interested in the passage and its description of wisdom tonight. And I thought to myself in preparing for this that uh, you kind of only know what you know. You, you, you don't know what you don't know. You know. That might sound pretty obvious, but let me explain what I mean by that. One of the things I was thinking this week is that for thousands and thousands of years, human beings have been looking up at the stars and wondering about them. What are they made of? Why are they there? When did they come into being? And does their presence affect us in any way? Do we ourselves have any common uh, link with the celestial bodies? Are there aliens living out in the cosmos? Has been an interesting thought that many people have asked. Well, as you think about it, people over the years have actually tried to develop really sophisticated tools to help them to understand the stars. And the longer human beings have been looking at the stars, the better their technology has been getting. 
Uh, there's a place called Stonehenge in England. Don't know if you've heard of it. That's an early technology to help people map the stars. And there's this big ring of rocks, and the rocks are all cut out and placed in special places, particularly aligned to the winter solstice and the summer solstice. So even something, according to the stuff I read on Wikipedia, which isn't the greatest source, because I didn't have time to look it up properly, wasn't that important, but you might want to look it up later and check it, but something like 9,000 years ago, they put the last finishing polish on those stones and presumably really enjoyed themselves getting together at the winter solstice and the summer solstice and seeing the sun and the moon orbiting around that structure in ways that they predicted. Interesting. Fast forward hundreds, well, thousands of years, and people started to develop more sophisticated instruments to look at the cosmos. Uh, people started to develop telescopes. And right early on in, I don't know, maybe ask someone like Chris, where's Chris? Chris, do, have you got any idea off the top of your head who, who and when the first big telescope started being invented? Well, well Galileo maybe? He made a little telescope? Can you get up here a sec? Come up here. Let's, let's give Chris a round of applause. I want to fill in my, my gaps in my knowledge of science with this fella. This brother here is incredibly uh, knowledgeable, that's the word. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of telescopes? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a little bit of history. Um, in fact, the original inspiration for telescopes was that way people could look out to the edge of the oceans, so that way they could see when incoming traders were coming in, so they could figure out the prices of, well, how they should evaluate the price of certain things, that is, if they were going to start going rotten. So that was the idea to see when they're going to get fresh material and get, therefore get new materials to come in and then change the prices. That was Galileo's original reason. He happened to look up one night and then he was able to see the, uh, the rings of Saturn, which no one could see before. And at that point, that's when they were started to use for astronomy, essentially. And yeah, the rest is history at this point. Thank you. That was very, very eloquent. It was a lot better than the introduction I'd written off Wikipedia. I'm telling you now. But that, I'll, t I'll tell you where I'm getting to. <laughs> Recently in the 70s, I do believe, we launched um, a new kind of telescope. We actually started realising that telescopes on Earth, even though we made really big ones, were only limited because they had to see through the atmosphere. So some clever clogs had an idea to put a telescope in a rocket and send it up into space and that an orbiting telescope might be able to see further. And that was good, it was called Hubble, but this one here on the screen was launched in 2021. And this is where I wanted to bring your attention to tonight, why I asked Chris to get up. This is called the James Webb Telescope. And it was launched in 2021. Did I say Hubble again? I think I called it Hubble again. Anyway, James Webb. It was a culmination of decades of work by NASA scientists, according to my Wikipedia page. Launch went off without a hitch as did numerous steps for the telescope's deployment in the following months. Apparently, this telescope is floating around in space millions of kilometres away from Earth, and it's staring into the outer reaches of space. It has this gold dish that's about the size of a football stadium. It's something... No I'm, no, I'm exaggerating. Chris is looking shocked. Chris, help me here, man. <laughs> OK, thank you. This is approximately the same size as a football field. It's an infrared telescope. And Stuart, why do we care? Well, I'll tell you why. Because every step in science means we can find out things we didn't know before. 
we have more and more knowledge and wisdom about the universe, the better the instruments we have to see what's actually there. So you can stand there in Stonehenge for as long as you want and you can't see the rings of Saturn. But you get Galileo's telescope and you can see that a planet called Saturn has rings around it and start wondering what those rings are. You can put Hubble's telescope up into space and see storms on the surface of, of, of the planet that are whirling around and actually detect what kind of gases is on the surface of the planet. It's incredible, isn't it? So the more the technology advances, the more you know, right? Well, this one is going to blow it all out of the water. I'm not going to go into all the details, but it has scientists quite excited. One scientist by the name of Eric Nelson in particular, and he is very eloquent as he describes how important this telescope is. He says, and I quote, it's bananas. <laughs> it's bananas because the red and bright... Okay, I'm going to get this right, all right? It's bananas because the objects which are red and bright in the web observations might host billions of stars and many more planets similar to our own Milky Way galaxy. These galaxies are formed millions and millions of light years away from us and we can see them for the first time. Now, I don't want to go into the details tonight, but scientists, particularly physicists, are all in a tiz about this telescope because it's actually challenging a whole heap of theories that they had assumed before that now aren't correct because they even know, for example, and this is the one I like the most, this is not off Wikipedia, this one's off YouTube. <laughs> I saw a YouTube video where they now reckon they know what's in the middle of a black hole. Nothing. I know. Except for a little white dot but they don't know what that is. But up until this telescope, they didn't know black holes had little white dots in the middle of them. Isn't that interesting? I know, you're going to go home tonight and look up that YouTube video. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but thanks to this telescope, James Webb Telescope, we now more, know more about the universe. Now, what I've got up here is, Jai's been throwing these up, hopefully, or one at least, Look at this, these are the photos that this, this telescope's taking. We've never seen that before, I don't know what it is. That's a, that's a planet, don't know where it is, but it has A and B clouds. I don't know what that is, but it looks like someone's looking at us. It looks like a galaxy, yes. Our other science teacher over there is telling us what it is. This one's a nebula of two galaxies that are actually coming together and fusing in the same galaxy, which we've never seen before. Pretty cool, eh? Now, why am I talking about this as I'm about to unpack for you a 2,000-year-old scripture? Well, what we're going to look at tonight is that God's wisdom is real wisdom, but we as human beings don't have the technology to access that wisdom. That is until God himself, God the Holy Spirit, reveals the wisdom to us. And the reason I'm showing you that James Webb telescope is I want to draw a parallel with just how exciting that telescope is and compare it to the fact that if that's exciting, imagine if we had a telescope into the spiritual world because we don't have the technology to be able to do that. When it comes to spirituality, we're still back at Stonehenge. We see things, but we wonder about it. Some people say things don't exist, but others of us go, no, something must exist. 
But what if God, in his beautiful, majestic wisdom, revealed to us through his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, just like the web telescope reveals the universe. Imagine if God, through his Spirit, revealed himself to us. Well, that's exactly what is happening here in this passage. And what we'll see here in just 10 verses is that God's real wisdom is unknown to us. We don't understand it unless it is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is that that revealed wisdom is something that we can actually receive as a community of God's people and use in our everyday lives. Now let's have a look at the passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. And as I read this, I don't want to assume that everyone here is a Christian. But I want to make the statement tonight that if you are a Christian, and this makes sense to you, this is because you've looked at the pictures from the James Webb telescope. You've listened to the Holy Spirit as he's explained it to you. But if you don't understand this yet, don't worry. It's just that you haven't looked into the Holy Spirit's wisdom yet. And he can reveal it to you tonight just as he's revealed it to others of us here tonight. So 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. What Paul does here in verse 6 is he contrasts the wisdom of God with the wisdom of human beings. And he's not wanting to be rude and say we can't do anything in our wisdom, but he's comparing our wisdom to his wisdom. Does that make sense? So I don't want to be rude to Galileo. The guy's a genius. He made a telescope to find out if rotten fruit was coming over the horizon and then it probably, I reckon it might have been an accident, man. He might have just leant too hard on it one day when he was looking at some ship and it popped up, he looked at the sky, saw the rings, the rest is history. Now that's genius, it's clever, but you compare Galileo's telescope without any, any moral qualification, compare his telescope to the James Webb telescope. There's no comparison, is there? And that's all Paul is saying here. He's not saying human beings are hopeless and we don't have any wisdom. It's just saying that our wisdom is finite. He says it comes to nothing. The rulers of this age and the wisdom of this age, meaning the wisdom of this place we live in now with our, with our leaders and our authorities and our experts, it's all probably interesting, often very helpful. But at the end of the day, we're all going to pass away. We don't have eternal wisdom. And we don't have the secret to eternal life or the spiritual world at all. We can only guess about it until it's actually revealed to us. We do, however, speak of the message of the wisdom among the mature. Here he talks about the mature as being Christians, not being better than people who aren't Christians, just more mature in their technology. Where a non-Christian person doesn't have the spiritual technology beyond Stonehenge and can only guess at what the spiritual world is, Someone who's trusted in the Holy Spirit actually gets an insight into the spiritual world from the Holy Spirit himself. So we humans don't have the whole story, but God does. He says Christians are mature. Now in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13, which is a letter by the same author to a different city of Christians in a different city, he says in verse 13 of Ephesians 4, he says, Until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. There's that word mature again. Here there's this sense that if you have faith, then you can have access to this maturity and become mature. What is he talking about? 
Well, you'll notice that every time I speak, which is about once a fortnight on Saturday night, in this series on Corinthians, I've been making a point of coming back to Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and following each week. And the reason I do that is because I really love for us to remember that verse. Christians in times past have had memory verses where they've tried to remember scripture to help them when they don't have their bible on them we've got our bibles in our pockets now so it's a bit easier to just go to whatever and find out whatever but this is still a verse worth remembering when jesus started his ministry he said i have come to bring the kingdom repent and believe the good news that is the gospel and i want to say tonight i think that's what paul calls the wisdom of god the wisdom of god is how we can live forever in a kingdom that will never perish, in a kingdom whose technology so far surpasses ours that when we enter the kingdom of heaven, we are considered to be mature, even though we may not be wise in our own sense. See, in verse 7, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 2 to talk about the source of this divine wisdom. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that is hidden that, sorry, that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory from time beginning. Now, what's really interesting about this verse is God's wisdom has been a mystery. Now, I love that so much because when I talk to a non-Christian person and they say, do you fully believe that Jesus died and rose again and you put your faith in him and repented of your wrongdoing thinking he's paid for it by dying on a cross, on the other side of the world, 2,000 years ago, you think that paid for your wrongdoing. Yeah, I do. Well, it's, that, that's just a mystery. How could that be true? What the, what the passage is getting at here is that on our own wisdom, we are not going to be able to understand that. And we aren't going to be able to even believe it unless we've been given the gift of this wisdom. And the way God gives us the gift of believing this truth is through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the divine source of wisdom. Now, the Bible, someone got a Bible? Hold it up. Everyone who's got a Bible, just hold it up. Just straight away. Crack. There you go. Look, there's some Bibles. That encourages me, by the way, that some, some of us have Bibles on our laps and, and it encourages me that my son's DNA is my DNA because he just dropped his phone as he lifted it up. We're quite clumsy in our family. That's meant to encourage you and say that it's my fault, not yours. Good, good. What, what, what you could say is, Stu, isn't the Bible the James Webb's telescope? Isn't that what we're peering into to see what the universe is like? And I want to say, yeah, kind of, but it's kind of like the computer terminal that's sitting on your lap or on your desk. Now, imagine this, the scientists around the world who are sitting there in front of their computers, presumably, waiting for the next picture. They're sitting there waiting for the James Webb telescope to take another photo and send it to their computer. Imagine their delight when they see, hear that little sound. I don't know if they have a sound, but I'd like to hope they do. Bing! And they rush to their computer. That was the James Webb sending me another photo. They open it. And Joy, can you go back to one of those photos? Imagine the scientist that saw that weird-looking thing for the first time. Probably thought... It was bananas. That's bananas. Now, it's, it, the Bible is kind of like your computer that you, that, that's kind of like got your information from this other source. See, the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit could have just beamed his thoughts into our heads. He could just come into our room and talk to us about God, right? 
But for some reason, he's decided, the mystery is, he's decided that he wants to partner with human beings to get across the wisdom. Have a think about this for a minute. What an amazing opportunity God's given us to participate in the mystery of wisdom. By getting human beings to write down his thoughts, that's where the Bible came from. They're all inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit inspired the whole Bible and that's where the wisdom comes from. And that's why it's not hidden anymore. But if you don't understand God yet, and you're still sitting here going, Stu, I don't think I could call myself a Christian, all you've got to do is open your email. Can you imagine a scientist sitting there and he hears the bing, and there's another message from the James Webb, and he's like, oh, I just might finish watching Rogue Heroes on SBS. He wouldn't be wasting his time. (laughs) It's a cracker of a show. This soldier walks up to another soldier in Cairo in the Second World War. The private has his top button undone. Spoilers. And the officer says, do your button up. But sir, it's in Cairo and I'm hot. He said, yes, and you're also British. Do up your button. (laughs) That could be the scientist. He could be watching that show and enjoying that. And I'm sure a lot of you go, so what? Or the scientist could have been watching Sheffield Wednesday play on Friday. This is a team who's trying to get promotion into the championship, who had to play Petersburg twice and have a goal aggregate that beat them to get into the next round at Wembley in a final. They lost the first game 4-0. The scientists could have been watching the second game thinking, there's no chance that Wednesday can come back from that. And to his delight, they scored five goals to one. Unbelievable. And then had a penalty shootout first time in Sheffield Wednesday history, they actually won a penalty shootout. (laughs) The scientists could have been watching the the frivolity of all the 34,000 fans running onto the field and in the distance he's hearing ping, ping, ping. If he doesn't open his emails, he could genuinely say, I don't know what's in the email. I have no knowledge of that galaxy. It's gone. But all you've got to do is open your email. And what Paul's saying here is, open your email, people, from the James Webb Telescope. Open your spiritual email from the Holy Spirit, which is the Bible, and listen to what he has to say. His wisdom has been predetermined before the ages, before the stars came into being. God knew that you and I would be sitting here tonight. He knew that. He prepared the Bible for you and I so that it would answer all the questions we have and give us all the information we need to live forever. That Bible tells us we only have one problem as human beings. We've rebelled against God and sinned against him and all the bad things we do and the selfishness that we have is all because of that. And there's nothing we can do about it. And that is a barrier between us and God. The only barrier, but it's big enough to mean that we will never be with God and never see him. But Jesus took the barrier down and the people who saw that barrier come down were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it down. And that's why I love Mark. It's the shortest email. Bing. It's on your inbox, all of yours inboxes. It's only 16 chapters. Remember those of us who are older, the Sydney Morning Herald, when they used to come out on really big pieces of paper? 
The front page of the Sydney Morning Herald could fit the whole of Mark on one page. It's not very long. And if you want to live forever, all you need to do is open that and read it. And that's the wisdom that's being talked about here. But quickly, here tonight, human beings are not able to understand God's wisdom. Even though you read the Bible, you can't understand it. It doesn't make sense. People walking on water, well, one person, and two. Okay, two. But the second guy sunk pretty quick. People being raised from the dead. Well, two. Three, maybe. (laughs) But the first two died again. The last one, he stayed alive. How do you believe that stuff? You can read it, but go, how do you believe it? You need the James Webb telescope to see the reality. Not fuzzy stars from Stonehenge. You need the technology. The Holy Spirit's the technology that you need if you want to be a Christian. If you want to believe in God and know that he loves you and that you can take away your sin if you repent of it, if you believe in Jesus, amazing. But people don't understand it. And that's what, they say, what Paul goes on to say in verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord Jesus. You might look back and think people of Jesus' time were a little bit simple and they had the wool pulled over their eyes, but now we're so sophisticated and we have the James Webb telescope. Of course we wouldn't believe that Jesus walked on water. Well, people at his time knew that he walked on water and they still didn't believe he was the son of God because they only had human wisdom. Instead of carrying around an iPhone in their pocket, they were carrying around Stonehenge in a big truck behind them everywhere they went. That was the only technology they had. You can't work anything out with Stonehenge. You need an iPhone to know what Wikipedia says. Well, there's one guy in Rome who had a big laugh at the Christians as he heard that Jesus died on the cross and he's our king. And this is a graffiti that was put on a wall in Rome just after Jesus died and rose from the dead. You can't make it out, so the next photo also can't be made out. Awesome, that's not helpful. What it is, if you can't understand it, is a line drawing of Jesus on the cross with a donkey head. And the words underneath it are Alexamios worships his God. It's indicating that he's an idiot for following someone who was crucified and died on a Roman cross as a criminal. You're an idiot if you call that person God. That's stupid. Why would that person say that? Because there's a lack of empirical evidence for him to believe that Jesus is real. His empirical evidence is he has Stonehenge. He's a human person thinking humanly. Of course it doesn't make sense. How would someone dying on the cross help me to go to heaven? Well, when you look at atheists today, you hear this sort of stuff. Here's the criticism of atheists today. Atheists argue that there's insufficient empirical evidence to support the existence of God. They contend that the burden of proof lies with believers who provide tangible evidence for the significance of the divine being. Atheists often say um, there's inconsistent definitions, uh, often saying that people who believe in religion didn't have any science understanding. Uh, you know, the, the arguments go on. Oh, people who believe in religion are ignorant. Um, all these things is what people say but if you use old-fashioned technology to look at the spiritual world of course you're not going to be able to define it so when an atheist says that they don't believe in God that's proof of what Paul's saying here in this passage 100% exactly what Paul's saying the guy who did the graffiti and Christopher Hitchens are both proof of what Paul's saying is true we human beings can't work this stuff out Yet there's a revelation that comes from God. The technology I'm talking about is in verse 9 and 10. 
Here we're having Isaiah 64.4 quoted to us by Paul. However it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Holy Spirit, and the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now we believe as Christians that we... we we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to earth to show us who God was and to die for us. The Holy Spirit has been left with us. When Jesus left the disciples, he said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to leave the counsellor with you so you're not orphans. This is the cool thing. The Holy Spirit at once has actually given us the information about the spiritual world that we can't see with the naked eye. That's kind of what he's saying there. A teles- we need a telescope to see what the naked eye can't see in the universe. James Webb has shown us stuff that we could never see with our human eyes. The Holy Spirit has given us spiritual insight into things we can't see with our physical eyes. He says, I will show you the things you can't see. Open your emails. It's in the Bible. The role of the Spirit is twofold. He shows us God's wisdom... And he shows us that that wisdom is beautiful. One of the things that I often hear when people look into the stars and they see those amazing kind of photos is, wow, I often hear that word. Sometimes I hear, wow, that's bananas. That comes from a delight in seeing something that was hidden, now revealed, that is beautiful. God's wisdom could be ugly and nasty and horrible. God could be like not a nice God, but he is love. And when you get spiritual insight and see that God not only is love, but he knows you and he loves you. The Bible says he knows how many hairs you have on your head tonight. I don't think any of us know how many hairs there are on our heads. And if you're actually not sure about that, have a read of verse 11 and 12. Have a look at this received wisdom that we have. The Spirit has a unique understanding of God, but also a unique understanding of us as well. The Holy Spirit knows you. In verse 11, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have received this not from the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given. The gift given to us is because God knows us. He knows how many hairs we have on our heads. Now, I've walked into a room full of people tonight that I'm assuming some of us must have had a good week. Some of us must have. Some of us must have had a pretty ordinary week. And some of us, I could assume, had a pretty rotten week. Some of us sitting here today might be feeling great. Some of us might be feeling okay. Some of us might actually be like, you know what? I'm just doing everything I can just to stay sitting here. I don't know, because I don't know you. I can only look at your body language and I can only listen to what you tell me. But God actually sees your heart tonight. He knows you. He knows what you're scared of. He knows what you hope for. He knows what problems you have that you would like to see fixed. And he's right there now saying, I love you and I want to look after you. And I want you to believe in me because I'm going to help you to believe with technology that only I can give you. The Spirit knows God's thoughts. And in verse 12, the Spirit gives us understanding. This is the cool bit. 
just like simply looking at that photo gives you a deeper insight into what a black hole is because you have a better picture of it, the Spirit gives you a better picture of who God is. Verse 12, what have we received? What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given. And what God has freely given is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is regenerated wisdom. This is about giving us a new start in life, taking the old person who was Stonehenge and turning them into the James Webb telescope person, not over hundreds and hundreds of years, but in an instant. The Holy Spirit can actually give you clarity about things that right now you don't understand. Now, I gave a talk to a bunch of teenagers. Hey, man, how you going? A bunch of teenagers uh, back in the 90s. And uh, it was at a church youth group, Soul Revival Youth Group, and we were talking about how you can become a Christian. And I basically said, if you want to become a Christian, all you need to do is say, God, I'm really sorry for all the bad things I've done, all the sin I've done. Can you please forgive me in the name of Jesus? Because I know Jesus died on the cross to be punished for what I've done wrong. And I'm really thankful for that and I believe that. Please forgive me and please give me your Holy Spirit so that I can live forever instead of dying and being in eternity apart from you. Now, we, um, we had the rest of the night, the activities, all the stuff we did, and uh, Lou and I drove a young 15-year-old, uh, Quinn was saying she wished she was 15, we drove a, drove a young girl called Emma home, and Lou and I were sitting in the front seat of our Pulsar, and Emma was in the back seat. And we drove down into Guaymi Bay and she said, oh, this is where I live, I'll get out here. And me and Lou said, okay, no worries. And before she got out of the car, she said, Stu, just before I go, can you tell me again that prayer that you said tonight, that all I need to do is ask God to forgive me and I can live forever and I can become a Christian? So I repeated what I'd said. And to my surprise, she just got out of the car and ran up to a house and closed the door, obviously the car, because I didn't have to get out and close the door. But I'm sitting there with Lou and I said, oh, maybe Emma was a bit freaked out, maybe that was too heavy. And Lou said, yeah, maybe, you know, anyway, cool, let's just go home. So we went home. And anyway, the next day we went to church, actually, it was two days later, went to church. And uh, Emma turned up at church. And I said, oh, Emma, how you going? I hope we didn't freak you out on uh, Friday when we were telling you about Jesus and stuff. She said, Stu and Lou, can I, can I just talk to you for a sec? I'm like, yeah, no worries. She goes, I just want to say I'm really sorry because getting out of the car like that and just running up to the house might have been a bit rude but the reason I got out of the car and ran up to the house is I didn't want to forget what you said. And I went straight into the house, straight into my bedroom, and I just leant down beside my bed and I asked Jesus if I could become a Christian. Now, was that my ability to explain Christianity to her that led her to that conclusion? What do you reckon, mate? <laughs> you are my favourite person here tonight. But unfortunately, it wasn't, it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't my words taught by human wisdom, according to verse 13, but the words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. What I thoroughly believe tonight is, no matter whether you're understanding me or not, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart tonight, saying, this is true. I want you to know that you can become a Christian tonight if you want to, just like Emma did. The natural person can't understand God in verse 14 to 15, but if we are given the Holy Spirit, we can understand things. In verse 15, we can make judgment about all things. 
because the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. Not only that, but in verse 16, Paul goes on and says that not only do we know about God, but we actually have his mind and his thinking. We have the mind of Christ if we have God's wisdom. The profound gift that we have available to us tonight can be neglected. Can I say tonight, if you haven't ever accepted this gift before by never opening your emails from the James Webb Telescope, have a think about being like Emma and opening the email tonight and just saying, God, can you help me understand? If you are real, like Stu reckons you are, can you help me to understand these things? And you know what? I've never heard of God not answering that prayer, ever. Of all the people that have told me they've asked God to help them believe, I've never heard of someone not giving, being given the gift from God to believe. So if you still haven't got enough information about what being a Christian's all about, talk to God about it and remember the email that's shortest from the James Webb's telescope is Mark's, Mark, the book of Mark. Have a read of it. But for the rest of us, can I just say this quickly in closing? What does it mean to live with regenerated wisdom in our daily lives? Sometimes people get one email from the James Webb telescope and they think they know everything. Oh, cool, I've seen the universe now. But they forget that every time they hear that pinging of that email, every day there's more to learn. And there's more to learn and more to learn and more to learn. God's wisdom is like an ocean that you can never, ever get to the bottom of. But a lot of us as Christians only play around in the shallows at the beach. We never think of going out into the deep water to go and discover the deep things of God. The maturity that's available to us and the things that can help us to live our lives on this earth with less frustration and less anxiety and less depression are immense. But for some reason, we get too caught up watching Sheffield Wednesday play on Friday. And we get too caught up by watching Rogue Heroes. Sometimes it's not a bad thing to turn off the TV. Sometimes it's not a bad thing to say, no, actually, I'm not going to go to the party tonight until I've been to church first. Sometimes it's not a bad thing to actually listen to the Bible every morning as you start your day. My encouragement to those of us that are Christians tonight is seek God's wisdom through the Spirit every day and never stop learning because you'll be delighted at how deep it goes. I'm going to finish with another movie to finish tonight. It's a really old one called Contact with Jodie Foster from the 1990s. Anybody seen it? Cracker of a movie. Similar theme, aliens send the wisdom of how to make an alien spaceship to the humans. They make it. Jodie Foster gets in it. She goes to the aliens. That's not why I'm finishing with it. Why I'm finishing with it is my favourite scene in movie history is in that movie. In that movie, Jodie Foster not only sees the James Webb telescope stuff on her email, but she goes there in this spaceship. And she is in the nebulas. She's in the beautiful space that she's travelled through time or whatever it is to get there. And Jodie is a great actress, actor. And this scene that I love so much is when the, when the visor of the spaceship comes down and she looks at the universe and she cries and her face is full of delight and she says these words, I had no idea. I had no idea. You don't want to miss out on that moment, everyone. Because one day we're going to see God face to face. 
Now we only see him as through a mirror or a window, but soon, very soon, if you trust him, you'll be transported by this beautiful wisdom directly to the throne room of heaven and you'll be looking in the face of God. And the reason that that scene is my favourite in, in the whole of movies I've watched is because I hope that one day that will be my words when I see God. He's so beautiful. I had no idea. Don't let any rogue hero show or soccer game or anything else get in the way of reading your emails because that's where we all want to go, right? Amen.